Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast, a weekly interview show about art, craft, and creativity. I produce it in the hope that it will help all of us live long and crafty lives. So let's get to it, folks. It's time to craft sanity. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Episode 75 of the Craft Sanity Podcast. I'm very excited this week to bring you a conversation with Emily Martin, the proprietress of the Black Apple. Yeah, that top-selling Etsy shop. She's with us today to talk about her business, her blog, and her crafty life. And although she's only 25, she's attained a level of success in the craft world that many of us aspire to. So it's really great to be able to get a chance to talk to her. I do want to warn you that this is another extended version of the Craft Sanity Podcast. This is a long one, a super duper long show. We are offering you a peace offering, though. In exchange for you listening to this show, Emily so kindly has given a PDF of book plates. These are darling book plates that you can download from craftsanity.com. All right, let's get to it. Well, Emily, I am so, so happy to have you on the show this week because your work is very inspiring and just it always makes me smile when I go over there. And I did a Google Aww. search the other day. On the, mm-hmm. I just put the black apple in. It was so mm-hmm. funny because guess what showed up? There was um, like... Macintosh? Yeah, there was like a black apple, like Macintosh computer yeah. logo and then y- your logo, like right <laughs> one of your pieces of artwork. And I'm like, I said to my husband, I'm like, you know what? And I'm like actually recording this with Mac equipment. Like we use mm-hmm. all Mac stuff here. And it, I said to my husband, who actually is a technology blogger for the newspaper where we both work. Mm-hmm. And he was, I said, now this... This woman, I'd say this is pretty successful if you do a Google search and she comes up right next to the Mac <laughs> logo. I said, I don't know how she feels about this, but I'd say that is a measure of, of, of high success. I mean, what do you yeah, think about that? That's pretty impressive. I, you know, but it, it also is such a, like, niche thing. I mean, you know, a <laughs> right, apple, right. It's, it's not the most. <laughs> commonplace thing, but I mean, still, that's still pretty good company. Yeah, I was like, wow, that's that's impressive. <laughs> I'd like to start at the beginning and kind Wonderful. of hear a little bit about your crafty history. Well, I've just been making things, I mean, everybody says that, but it's, you know, if you're a maker, then you probably are a stuff maker in some capacity forever. Yeah, I just, you know, I used to draw, I drew all the time when I was little, and I love to make books you know, make, like, little um, books about my favorite, you know, cartoon characters or <laughs> uh, pre-existing. I guess it was, like, early fanfic, actually, by, like, a seven-year-old. But, um, and, yeah, I just drew all the time. My mom taught me to sew when I was really young, but I'm still not a very good sewer, really, and, you know, in the big scheme of things. But, you know, and I would sew doll clothes and little pillows and, and little sachets and stuff, so... Um, yeah, I've just been making stuff forever, and I just, when I went to college, I I went to UGA because I, I didn't want to have to go to art school if, if after a year I didn't, if that's not really what I wanted to do, but um, uh, you have to go immediately into the art program at UGA anyway. And, and so for I was people totally... who don't know, what school is that, <laughs> for people who don't know? Uh, the University of Georgia is in Athens, where I live, and it's the, it's the big university in, in Georgia. Did you grow up in Georgia? Yeah, I grew up about an hour away. I grew up in a little town called Gainesville, Georgia, but okay. it's about an hour, um, an hour east, I think, of Athens. Okay, and so you're still in Athens now? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're planning on moving in the next six months, but currently we are in Athens. Okay, and for those who are going to be like, okay, she said we, and who does she mean? Who do you oh, mean? Oh, <laughs> I mean um, my one black apple elf, Josiah, who is my boyfriend, and <laughs> he is the, the, thing, the thing that lets me, like, stay sane these days. I used to do everything myself for the first two years, at least. I did every single thing by myself, and, you know... And now um, he helps me out a lot with the shipping, which is such a godsend because, you know, it's just, it's the hardest thing for me to do and keep on top of. And so he's my little elf. And (laughs) the other part of the we faction is my little cat, Miet. And it is the three of us that will be leaving Athens for hopefully somewhere a little more suited to our, you know, our our needs and aesthetic and taste and whatever. (laughs) So is your boyfriend then on the payroll? Or is this um, something? <laughs> yeah, he's. Uh, it's all very. I mean, I never went to business school, obviously. I mean, like any of us did, but it's mostly helping in exchange for living here. <laughs> it's it's, it's help in exchange for, um, you know, having a place to live and being basically taken care of. So, you know, um, he's a. I guess he's a kind of a catch man, actually. But. <laughs> But he, I, I really, I would have lost it at this point because, you know, I've had friends help me, but it was just, I mean, just me doing every single thing. And I still, even with the two of us over the holidays, we were working at least 60 hour weeks every week for, you know, two months straight or something. And, you know, even now we, we work usually 50 hour weeks at least. Wow. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. It just never turns off. And so much of the work is really fun, but it's still... I don't know, as long as I'm here or as long as I'm near a computer, there's always a chance that I can be working. And so. Right, and that's the, the blessing and curse of having, like, an Internet shop. Because mm-hmm. it's not like you can put a little clothes sign on the window and walk I away. I know, no. Wherever the Internet is, that is where, you you know, that um, gives way to you going to work and, you know, be it at 3 o'clock in the morning or on Saturday afternoon or whatever, but... Yeah, that is the that is the good thing and the bad thing for sure. So you went to college and you went right away into the art program, it sounds like? Yes. I went right away into art school because, I don't know, it's just kind of a weird setup. But you immediately, I mean, if you want to get out in four, four and a half years, you have to do that. And so I went into school and, you know, took all the... Um, the foundation classes and then I actually majored in photography some people know this um, and I actually I lied on the Martha show that I could not go back and correct myself because it moved so quickly but I said (laughs) on that show that I majored in painting and my actual major was I have a BFA in photography and so I mean um, I took so many I took as many painting classes as photo classes so I kind of consider both of them my major but it was just I don't know. So anyway, so I lied on national Well, TV. it sounds like you didn't <laughs> actually mean to lie. It's just probably overwhelming I know, I to me. I didn't, and I couldn't correct myself. And so it's just, I'm sorry, photography people. I'm sorry, photography professors. I totally betrayed you. But <laughs> So um, it was photo and painting, and then I minored in English literature. And, and I graduated in 2005, I guess. Okay. So you're just, you're about three years out. Mm-hmm. I started the shop almost immediately. I mean, this, you know, two months after I graduated or something. So did you have, did you actually, go, like, put resumes out to get another job in photography or anything else? Or did you just no, start this? No, I was, you know, in, in art school, um, kind of, at least at my art school, the kind of um, conventional wisdom is 
go to graduate school, there isn't another job besides going to graduate school, so go to graduate school. <laughs> Which just I mean, means more debt. So, yeah, right, yeah. exactly. So, um, so I was like, well, I guess I'm going to maybe leave for a year, do something. I mean, I was really planning on working. I, I worked at a video store at the time. It's just like, it's a cool video store, but it's still a video store in Athens called Vision Video. And so I was working at the Viz, as I call it, and um, <laughs> I... I just I thought I'd probably be working there or working as like a barista for the next couple of years until I inevitably went to graduate school because that's the only option and you know I would actually really love to teach so that's on my total it's it's like you know at the top of my list of fallback careers but um I just I thought I would I thought it was kind of inevitable that I'd go to grad school so um I was just kind of biding my time and I, you know, I'm since I'm a compulsive stuff maker and I was making, I made stuff constantly when I was in class for, you know, seven hours a day and then I would come home and for hours and hours and hours I'd be making stuff for class and not for class and, um, and I started at Black Apple while, while I was still in college and I, um, it started out selling t-shirts and tote bags at a local uh, vintage boutique mm -hmm. called Dick and Jane. And I did that for, like, a summer, and I started my Etsy shop the same summer after graduation. And, um, yeah, and so and it just kind of organically took off. This is, I, I feel like I say, I feel like I'm repeating myself because I, I always say this, but it's, like, it really is true. I just, whenever people ask, you know, what did you do, I worked at the Viz, I worked at the video store, and I was working pretty much full-time, and then I constantly was working on building the shop and, like, kind of building my little baby company and I just phased out as it kind of organically grew I was able to cut one more shift and one more shift and then eventually I was working one shift and was like you know I really don't need to work here anymore you know my shop is totally supplementing my you know albeit a little bit meager income but you know and then and then that was it and that so I've been doing it full time for um two years now how long did that transition take when you it probably took I guess I started the shop in like May or June, and it probably took about eight months, I would say, more than six, but less than a year. So a little over six months until I had totally quit my day job and was, you know, just living carefully off of my online shop and then some local sales or wholesale accounts or whatever. But a lot of people see me as kind of an overnight success, and, you know, even people who I really love. Um, kind of see me that way and you know it's a little it's kind it's not a very nice thing to really say about somebody but um <laughs> I understand why people think that because in relative terms as far as a business it it does I mean it was very fast and I was very fortunate uh, as far as timing and everything goes but um but it really I mean you know it was I was really really poor at, at the beginning and I was you know I, I didn't have a small business one. I didn't have anything like that. And so I was just scraping by for months and months and months and months. And then, you know, finally it got to where I could, you know, pay my rent and kind of, you know, just run my life um, just with the shop. And so, I don't know. A lot of people, I think, go on to Etsy or, you know, hear about my story or someone, you know, somebody else's cottage industry. And they're just like, oh, that, is, that was successful right away. And I did have kind of immediate success, but it was, very little at first and then it got a little bigger and then you know it got to a level where it could support me and so 
you know, I mean, to me, it wasn't overnight at all. And well, <laughs> but, it sounds like there was those would be some stressful six to eight months when oh, you're trying absolutely. to figure out. I mean, because if you're looking at your bills and be like, um, yeah, I think I make the rent this month. No, I mean, totally. Was I it mean, like yeah. that? I mean, was it that close where you were well, like, yeah, okay? It feels, yeah, it feels weird to say, you know. Um, but I was, you know, I I started the shop with a credit card. To be honest, that, that's not good advice. I'm not condoning anyone doing that. But it was because I, I, you know, it was a very small credit card. But you know, nevertheless, I pretty much used that as my small business loan to kind of get by for the first six months or whatever. Because it's really, I even think about it now. It's really, really hard when you're starting out just to afford all the little things like business cards and buttons and all the cool stuff and you get this like great you know you order um some stationery or a t-shirt or something from some cool indie business and they send you like their cool business cards and the buttons and their patches and or you get the sampler and there's all this really cool stuff in it and I was just so I, I mean I still remember very vividly like feeling so impressed and overwhelmed and like oh, my God, how do those people afford all of that, like, little stuff? Because it really adds up. And it does so, add up. I bought the button maker, and I was like... Yeah, the badge you know, minute? When you you yeah, have the badge minute? I bought one of those things, and I was like, what am I doing? Like, because I was... <laughs> I mean, when you sell a button for, like, $2, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and, and you pay $200, so like, $200 much? to get... I can't even remember how much it is, but it's crazy, though. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah. okay, I, but I work a day job. So I have, like, a, if I was just, like, starting a business and I bought the badge of minute, like I would feel kind of like, I'd feel like, what the hell am I doing? But the no, thing about it is absolutely. you kind of, you're right, though, you do need, I mean, I've used those things as, like, I go to art fairs and, you know, use that as a promotional thing, like, to put in the freebie bag or whatever. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm trying to get my the word out about my show, just like everyone else is trying to get the word out about their products, you know. Right, right. So, um, but, yeah, I totally hear, I hear you on that. And then business cards are like, okay. Yeah. Do I want to go to Vistaprint and have their logo on the back, or do I want to pay right. money and have it be just I know. me? And it's you like know, that seems so like it seems so kind of banal and like mundane to talk about, but like it's a very real thing, you know. Right. And it's like it's it's weird. I mean, and I think that a lot of people kind of forget it once they're like they can support themselves and their business is totally turning a profit and supporting itself and whatever. But like, and once they're kind of used to like buying things, you know, buying a a ton, you know, 5,000 business cards at a time and buying all this stuff and you, like, don't flinch at dropping hundreds of dollars on supplies. When you're working at, a, like, an indie video store making basically minimum wage, it's, like, it seems just so looming. And so, <laughs> right. yeah, so that's the, right. that was a big deal when I started out. And um, I'm very grateful just that I don't have to worry about things like being able to afford business cards now. Yeah, and it took, I mean, how long would you say it took you to get to the point where you weren't worried about, like, little expend well, big little expenditures like that well, I, mean, I mean for probably i mean for a little while after that i mean i would say for a little while after i was totally supporting myself um i was still i still would you know it still was a big deal to even buy things like mailers or um you know just all the supplies you have to get and it makes so much more sense to buy them in bulk but when you buy them in bulk it's hundreds of dollars rather than you know $15, and then there's also the storage issue of storing all of your tons and tons of, like, mailing supplies <laughs> right. and fabric and polyfill and everything. So where do um, you, are you living in a house right now, or do you have an apartment? No, I or? live in an apartment. Okay. It's, a, it's a decent-sized apartment. Well, I moved into this apartment after, um, out of my Brooklyn apartment, and so it seemed like a, a mansion um, after that because I was functioning – the Black Apple for six months functioned out as a two-bedroom apartment in Brooklyn that probably had a square footage of 
maybe five or 600 square feet. It was, and I was, the Black Apple was functioning out of the living room in that, in that apartment. And so when I moved here and it's a two bedroom and one bedroom is my studio, I just thought I was like the queen. It's so ridiculous. So were you living, are you talking about (laughs) Brooklyn, New York? You were living in Brooklyn, New York? Yeah, yeah. I was in Brooklyn for about six months. It was, and that was, um, it kind of goes organically with what we're talking about. Um, because after I was able to support myself, I said, I think it's time for me to just at least, you know, it was just an experiment, but I was just like, I think I maybe, I think I maybe want to do this. I'm like, I, you know, there never will really be another time in my life where I'm so unattached and able to support myself and whatever. So, so being, you know, suddenly financially independent and able to, um, able to transport my business with me wherever I um, moved to Brooklyn and I, I was there for about six months in I guess 2006 it was a really hard time in my life but it was really good in a way too and I would never change it but it was really really hard and that's one of the reasons that I moved back here really quickly because well, what, I mean just what was hard it's about a it? hard place to live yeah. I mean you know just on a very basic level it's it's very you know it's kind of a shock to the system when you the post office is so bad where you live that you have to, by myself, parentheses, once again, totally by myself, I have to, you know, carry 40 packages, walk to the train, take the train into the city, go to the First Avenue post office because it's decent and because they have a little, you know, robot machine and have everyone hate you because you're using the machine and to send, you know, 30 packages or whatever, oh, you know, wow. like it was just... So you actually so, had to take a train to get to the post office? Wow. Yeah, I, I, wa- I had to walk down to the Bedford Avenue stop, and I would take the train to First Avenue. You know, and Williamsburg is very, very close to the city. It's just right over the water. But still, I mean, it's still really hard, you know, lugging all that stuff down there. And when I wanted shipping supplies, I mean, I ordered all my shipping supplies from New Line just like I do now. But um, I would have to go to the Union Square office max, lug all that stuff home. It was just... It yeah, was, it's a different know, life when you're used to being able to go if you lived in exactly. suburbia was, or exactly. Yeah. I was just I was pampered by suburbia, but by suburban convenience, and I was just you know. But it, all of that stuff would have been totally doable if I had had a partner um, there, or if I had had a network of friends that you know could help me. But I, I was just living with my best friend from college, and she was my really my only friend there. I had one other friend from. Uh, high school in Manhattan, and so it was just, it was a really lonely time, and just a really, really hard time, like, um, just in a whole lot of ways, and I kind of was just like, I, I, you know, now when I visit, I'm like, oh, we could totally do this, we, you know, we should consider moving back <laughs> to the city, blah, 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 because, you know, because I have a, I mean, with Josiah, all of the stuff that was awful there seemed suddenly, like, totally doable, and yeah. like, oh, I could, you know, it's just amazing, love just does that I guess it does yeah I sound like I'm like obsessed with personal finance and I'm totally not it's just like that was another thing that like you just can't get around it's a very expensive place to live yes you know Mm -hmm. in most cities you can or not most cities but in most places in the U.S. I would say you can support yourself with a lot less than to have a nice life in Brooklyn or you know especially in if you're living in the city I don't know. It's just you, you need a whole lot. You need exponentially more money to have the same quality of life you can have right. elsewhere. And so, you know, that's just another thing is I'm, you know, I'm like, well, if you are ever independently wealthy and just, you know, then we could have the easy life there. But if you are not, you know, relatively wealthy, it's a pretty hard life in yeah. a lot of ways. 
So what was it that made you finally decide that, to move back? I couldn't hack it. Yeah. Um, well, I, I wouldn't I, say it that way. I mean, I think... <laughs> I mean, that's I think what it... I always say, though. I'm always <laughs> just like, that's like this distinct thing. Whenever I, I still run into people in town here, and they're like, oh, are you visiting? Um, no, I moved back. Why did you move back? Like, why would you ever leave New York? And I'm like, I just hack it. You know, it's like everyone just Well, totally I think people describes... who've never lived there really romanticize it. And I they did this. Really I did do. the same thing. I did the same thing before I moved out there. I was like, oh, I'm going to. I'm going. I felt like I was big time. I'm like, I am going to live on Long Island for a summer. I'm going to, you know, pay rent. <sighs> blah blah blah. And I mean, yeah, yeah. But it was like. I spent so much money, like, just getting places, like, oh, totally. and not even, like, on what I did, like, I right. barely went anywhere, like, to do any really super fun stuff, because I didn't yeah. have a lot of money left over, know. you know, so, um, no, I hear you. It's like a mythology, I mean, it absolutely is, and people, um, especially Brooklyn, I mean, but New York in general, obviously, but, like, um, there are so many people who, in, like, when they're around the same age that I was, go to Brooklyn, and so when you ask what so-and-so doing, oh, they're in Brooklyn, but, yeah, what are they doing? Um, they're just in Brooklyn. I mean, that's an accomplishment in and of itself. Don't you know how impressive just Brooklyn is as a place? And so I got there, and I was like, you have got to be kidding me. This is the hardest life. And I get, like, hassled constantly in my neighborhood. And it was just I, – I, I just thought it was hilarious. I mean, it's a farce. And so, you know – when I came back, I just I'd make no bones about it. Whenever people are still like, "Oh, why why did you leave?" I'm just like, I, I just couldn't hack it. I, you know, I think I could hack it now, but I couldn't at that time hack it in in every sense of the word. And yeah, so, well, it sounds like you probably have more time because you don't have to spend as much time getting to the mailbox. You know, that's true. I know so. I don't have that um, trek twice a week. Like, um, just uh, yeah, it's kind of weird. But it's like that at that time, I was just like, oh, this is totally normal. And you know, now I'm like, oh, that was terrible. But it, you know, you just kind of do what you, whatever you have to do is what seems normal. And so, um, yeah. So I just was like, I can't handle it anymore. And I, I, Athens is a really nice place in a lot of ways. But the reason that I moved back here was purely just because I already knew it. I, you know, I, I knew the area. I knew it was going to be difficult to find a place to live. Um, and so I just, it wasn't because, oh, I just love Athens so much. I can't wait to come back here. It was just, it was purely out of comfort and convenience. So that's why we're plotting the, that's why we're plotting a, a move soon. I see. But it won't be immediately back to Brooklyn. No, no, okay. it will not be back to Brooklyn. <laughs> we're, we're debating, we're thinking about, um, maybe around the Philadelphia area, which is like, I think is the new Brooklyn because so many people can't hack it in the city and move to Brooklyn, and then people who can hack it in Brooklyn move to Philadelphia, so they can be safely hours and hours away, but still in driving distance. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the places we're considering. We're considering Portland. Um, Nashville is still kind of in the running, even though it's still too far south, and then Philadelphia is one of the other places we're thinking about. Well, that's the cool thing about what you're doing, is you can be doing that anywhere, which yep. is really awesome, you it's know. It's true. So, no, it's like the number one best thing. I mean, you know, it's, it's not the number one best thing, but it's in the top five best things about my job for sure. Yeah, well, and let's talk a little bit about your job. I mean, because you started, um, you know, you were making, was it mostly paintings when you started? Or yeah, was it... I, was, I, I immediately was selling, um, I pretty much immediately started selling prints of my work, but it was, yeah, I was just painting a lot, um, making crafty things, making dolls and things. Just It was kind of a hodgepodge in the beginning and became slowly but surely, you know, I kind of figured out what worked and, you know, it just all kind of like fell into place over time. But yeah, I was mostly, I would say I was mostly selling paintings and um, random, random crafts 
at, at first. Well, and looking at your Etsy shop, I mean, there's so many different prints available. And I mean, oh, so did you take, so like, I mean, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to figure out like, geez, does this woman like paint constantly, like nonstop or what's going on? So how often do you paint? I mean, did you it's start just, this with your portfolio from college and just be like, okay, I'm going to print everything I have, put it in my no, Etsy shop. I mean, how no, did this start? No, not at all. <laughs> it's, um, it's just, it's really, I, I know it's getting a little overwhelming and I've got to start like maybe retiring some images. Oh, I'm not suggesting but, that. People are going to be so upset with me if you start oh, because I'm like, no, oh, you have a lot of stuff up here. It's um, not, <laughs> not you. I just want to clarify it is not Jennifer. When, if and when something, an image gets retired, I want to clarify it is not, that has nothing to do with craft vanity or Jennifer. Um, no, it's just, it is getting a little overwhelming, but the thing is that just, I am like relatively prolific as far as working and um, I work pretty quickly. And also when I started, I was just doing it constantly, constantly. And I was also just out of the art school mode of like, just painting all, you know, doing art all the time, every single day for hours and hours a day. So um, I was just making a whole lot of paintings and I still, you know, make a good bit of paintings. And so um, how often do you paint now? Now I try to paint, I, well, I try to update the shop at least um, about once every month or month and a half. And so I usually paint, I usually devote at least one or two afternoons a week to to just painting. And sometimes I'll get on a bent where, you know, usually there's about one week a month where I'm just, I paint almost every single day. But there's so many other things that I do and I have so many other responsibilities that I, I can't do it as much now but you know i i'm pre i have a really comfortable um kind of like rhythm of like getting ideas sketching on ideas you know kind of cultivating them working you know working at painting and then you know and sewing dolls and and also running the shop and thinking of new ideas and all of that stuff it's kind of it's kind of hit a really comfortable rhythm especially because i have a helper else um that is like the only way that i actually get anything done is because I have someone else to do some of the, you know, like repetitive tasks, like shipping and stamping mailers, and it's so unfun, but Josea does it very graciously. Well, is there a period of time when, you know, you first started and people were buying your stuff, and where it was, like, very, very exciting, like, to be actually packaging up one of your prints, be like, oh. Oh, totally, and, and it then, still is really, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then it is. But at what point does that get to the point where it's like, oh, crap, I have 20 mailers to fill? Oh, it was way after the 20 mailers point. And it's more, it's just so much because I still I still do tons of packaging. I mean, Josiah um, writes out a lot of the labels for me, but we still do the packaging together and go to the post office together. So I do half of it still. It's just, it was, I would say, the point in which I started to think this is going to eclipse my life and I'm not going to be able to do or make anything else is probably holiday season 2006. I am by myself um, post update and trying to, you know, package up like close to like 80, 90, 100 orders by myself in one and over the course of one day um, oh and watching so very many episodes of Law and Order on TV. <laughs> <laughs> that is when I started to think like this is going, and it does eclipse your life for the holidays always. But that was when I just started to think like I didn't sign on, like I didn't sign on to be a packager, a professional mailer. I, what is the, you know? That's when I started to really realize that there are some kind of crummy aspects of a job like this, you know. And I mean, they're very. You have to work really hard and. 
you know, some days there are days where just that's all we do for an entire day from, you know, morning until very late at night. We're just, we're just getting orders together and taking them to mail. And yeah, so that, I would say it was those like probably 12 or 14 hour days of just being by myself in my living room, trying to get everything out by myself and like, you know, having to depend on the kindness of friends to just help me physically carry things to the post office, you know, get, carry them from my car into the post office. Wow. Yeah, that's when that's when it was a little too much for just one girl. Well, and how did you actually meet your helper elf if you're in your house I all know. day long <laughs> making that's stuff? That's a very good question. Um, Sounds like you spent a lot of time devoted to your business. Yeah, it's really pretty much all I do. I mean, I, I I always say that, and I don't really think people believe me, but I think if you asked any of my friends, they would tell you kind of the same thing. I'm like a little monomaniacal, and so whenever people ask for advice about, I just started a, I just started a crappy business, blah, 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 with some advice, I always just want to say just be monomaniacal. I mean, because that's how I just, I really think of the Black Apple from the time that I get up until the time I go to sleep. And even if I'm not like plotting out new ideas or, like, you know, responding to emails, doing whatever. I, it's really, I do it, I don't know, I can't even quantify the amount of time I spend, you know, on, on the shop. And so, yes, that's an excellent question because I am a huge homebody, and if I hadn't already known this helper else, then I think that I would not have been able to, <laughs> I don't know that I could meet a new one under my current circumstances. <laughs> I don't leave the house very much at all. I leave the, we leave the house to get lunch usually and um, run errands and things. But we were actually, he was my boyfriend in college, and we, oh, okay. we were together for a few years when I was at when I was at UGA. And so we met there, and, you know, and we, you know, kind of went our separate ways after I graduated. And then while I was in Brooklyn, I was kind of like, I'm um, having a really hard time living without you oh really me too and so luckily we both were like not able to function very well without the other one and we <laughs> both felt identically and so it was just very fortuitous for me that he was kind of on the same page and so and we we you know we got back together and he helped me move from Brooklyn he drove up in a rented minivan to help me move my small amount of earthly belongings back to Georgia and so and then that's the that's the story, and so he has been my helper elf for the last year, I would say, and it's invaluable. I just like can't even say enough of like how much it has made everything like less stressful for me. Well, it's always, I mean, I think when you have to do like things that are boring, like going to the post office mm -hmm. or running errands, and you have somebody that makes even the grocery shopping. Fun, yes, exactly. Then you know you're with the right person. So no, I'm happy totally. to hear that. I, I'm, I'm glad that you think that because it seems a little like dorky or maudlin or something. But it's so it just that's the truth. I mean, we're together, and that's it's hard too sometimes being together pretty much 24/7. But I mean, yeah, it's like the most boring stuff. Yesterday we were mailing stuff for the vast majority of the afternoon and evening. And, you know, around, like, 10 p.m., just I was like, I had a really good day working with you today. And I'm like, oh, that's so, I mean, it's really, but it's true. I mean, the stuff that was just horribly isolating and boring by myself, you know, it's 90% of the time, it's it's way more fun with, with another, with a special person. Yeah. So your typical day, I was kind of alarmed when I read in an email, we've been going back and forth here, and you mm -hmm. said, 
Yeah, my business hours. I kind of read it over three <laughs> times. You said any time between, we could talk any time between 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. I'm thinking, <laughs> geez, sister, that's a 12-hour day, and you're the I boss. Know. I mean, you are a tough boss. I know. I, know. <laughs> I am kind of a boss. I am kind of a tough boss. Do you boss. do that every I mean, day? Is that every day, those hours? I, that's pretty much every day. I mean, but, okay, the exception to those days are what I think I mentioned before. The only exceptions to those days are when I am physically away from our house and away from the internet. Like that is the only, you know, if we are if we take a day trip, then obviously okay. that's not the case. But and but we don't. That doesn't happen more than you know once or twice a month or so. It's just, I mean, and I don't I don't make Josiah do that. I mean, he's not working twelve hours a day every single day. But I I just you know, and a lot of like I said, a lot of it's like really fun work. So a lot of it doesn't even really feel like work. And then as you know, it seems like the more successful something becomes like with your black apple mm -hmm. you suddenly have people posting comments and you have to respond and you know you have this whole other thing to maintain because you can't oh, just totally. you can't like turn it off and be like okay that was cool to be successful for a while i'm gonna dial it back <laughs> now you know i'm just like you can't like turn down the heat on the no, burners you know it's really true it's, so... <laughs> the emails are really i mean you know I, the emails are really the most overwhelming thing as far as you know kind of threatening to eclipse my the amount of time that I just have in the day, you know, and, um, yeah, but I, it really, that is another really good thing about my job because I do stay up, I tend to be a night owl, and I'm sure this will change in, you know, the next five years, but I usually stay up pretty late, and then I'm able to sleep in, so that, you know, but I work pretty much all the time I'm awake, so I <laughs> cannot just feel bad about getting up around 10 or 11 every day because I'm, I work you know, in some capacity, usually yeah. until about three, so. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not, I don't know why I'm saying wow, because I do kind of the same thing. Um, I'm gonna yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's just like, you know, you just fall into your rhythm of whatever, and I mean, it's very comfortable for me. It's, you know, and I'm just, I'm, I feel really lucky that I don't have to have a job where I have to get up extremely early, because I just can't help myself, you know? I mean, even if I had to be up at seven or eight, I probably wouldn't be able to get to bed before one or two, and it's just, I don't know. Yeah, it so can be a challenging really existence. <laughs> yeah. With success comes, you know, there's always the stuff that's not as exciting. Yeah. Uh, movie stars, I mean, they have to go to the post office too. And right. they, you know, unless they are really, really famous and they don't uh -huh. ever go out of their house except if yeah. in a limousine. But um, you're not to that point yet, it sounds like. No, I'm just no, kidding. <laughs> no, no I, would, I would really hate that. But, yeah, I, I think a lot about the nature of um, celebrity. And I've been thinking a lot about Marissa recently because of the fact that she's a woman who her name is a huge corporation. Mm -hmm. And she has all these things that she has to do and, you know, probably a lot of things that she, you know, can't do or maybe wants to do but can't because she's synonymous with a huge corporation that right. she represents. and. I think that's a little, it's like, it just seems so scary and kind of sad in a way. Like, it kind of terrifies me just thinking about it, you know? And just because, I guess, I guess I identify with it strongly because I'm like the tiny, tiny, mini microcosm version of that or something, you know? It's like, or that seems to be what I have, what I've grown into being over the last couple of years is like the, the you know, and that's what a lot of us are. I mean, a lot of us craft bloggers are kind of like this tiny baby version of like the Martha, um, the Martha setup where you're, you kind of are this brand and whatever. Um, well, it sounds like something that you're not aspiring to a big empire and you're trying no, to strike a balance. Oh, no. it, I mean, it really gives me a panic attack when I really start to think about it and I think about her life and just all the things that must just be really 
I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of really great things, but I don't know. Sometimes I just think she might be happier in her garden or something than, you know, having to do a lot of the responsibilities she has to do. And it just, it fills me with just such fear, the idea of not, not, not being able to, you know, make things and kind of have a quiet, quiet life. And I, you know, obviously you always have to do things you don't want to do, but you shouldn't have to do too many things you don't want to do. And, and the idea of being, yeah, some kind of huge brand or, I don't know, like the, the face or the personality that represents a, a bit much larger thing is really terrifying to me. Now, did you get a chance to talk to her about that at all when you were on her show recently? Oh, no. We we talked for about two minutes before. That <laughs> before always disappoints me. That disappoints me because I always keep thinking, man, I hope they get to go to lunch or something at least. I know. And... I know. Well, you, you know, it. We, we really had this, like, kind of instant rapport. And, like, I don't know if she would say the same thing, Martha. I don't know if you're listening, but I don't know if you would say I the same thing. I don't think Martha – I hate to break it to you, but I d- highly doubt Martha listens to my show. She may, I know, but I, I don't – I just I don't know. see that happening. Just but... in the off Because, <laughs> you know, she has so much free time. And, you know, with her, I'm like, sure she has an iPod, a gold-plated and, you know, iPod that she listens to when she walks her dogs or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, in the off chance you're listening, Martha, I don't know if you felt the same way, but I felt like we had a really nice relationship kind of instantaneously because yeah I, I spent a whole lot of time with her um, with one of her producers and she was kind of like the um the stand-in for Martha when we were rehearsing and doing okay. all this stuff and then Martha and I met about two minutes before the taping started and she like waved to just I am the audience and it was really cute and she was like you know asked me really briefly about myself and blah 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 um and you know, but I would love so much if, if we were ever stranded in the elevator together I would love so much to just be like Martha, does that get you down? Like, does it get you down? You, you, you know, you have all these responsibilities, and you know, you're you are a, a person and a woman, but you're kind of representative of this like humongous corporation, all these people that work for it, and kind of an empire. And I don't know, because I, I, I'm really, I'm just really curious about that whole phenomenon. Yeah, it is a different life for sure. I mean, she's had to give up a lot to have yeah, what she has, right. you know, and um, because when you're it's the picture of perfection, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, um, yeah, that alone. And, and that, but... to me, would give me... I, I almost <laughs> want to launch into an asthma attack just thinking about... Because I, I already explained that I'm surrounded by clutter. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just... Yeah, it's amazing. But so the experience... You were on there. Um, when was that? That was... Um, um, we did the taping in really late February, and then it aired on the 11th of March. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it aired on March 11th. I was originally going to be on the Etsy episode when Rob Callen um, appeared, and I think on Leap Year Day. At the yeah, February, I saw. Then, yeah, I saw that, and he looked so happy. And I've interviewed him um, for the newspaper, and then I interviewed yeah. Matt for the podcast, and Matt was so looked so geeked to have that tie on. Oh, um, I know. It, Matt is- yeah, they're, they're both so nice. And I, yeah, I think originally Matt and Rob were going to be on, but it just ended up being Rob, and he really held his own. I was like, you know, Matt's kind of the go-getter, and he's, you know, really cute and was in a band, and, you know, and I was like, oh, it's just going to be Rob, and then Rob was really charming and, you know, totally happy. And... Oh, I think Rob is actually hilarious, and if you pay attention, oh, he, is really funny. he answers questions, because I did my research from when I wrote a newspaper article uh-huh. about Etsy. He's funny because um, I was kind of Googling, you know, to read some mm-hmm. other articles about him. And he gives, like, some quirky answers to things, which I oh, thought totally, was yeah, totally he entertaining he because is. he's kind of like um, 
Well, I mean, he's a genius. I, I don't care what anybody yeah. says. The man is genius. And oh, and he's yeah. and I'm calling him a man. He's barely a man because he's so young. I mean, I it's know. like he almost seems like this um, child wonder almost. So I just know. He's a little older this... than me, but he does. He seems younger than me. Well, I mean, I, you when know, he started he's... this whole thing, I mean, I, he was so young. And I, I mean, not, I mean, I'm 31, so it's not like I'm ancient. But I just look at <laughs> I look at and I'm like, wow. He's only four years older than you. It's not. It's nothing. Well, it's just it's hilarious, though, because I'm just like, wow. I'm just really, really impressed by what he's been able to create. And um, and I think what it's so nice to see is that it's open it's opened up a world to people like you to be able to to sell your work and yeah, travel absolutely. wherever you want around the country and have this yeah. global market. And well, this get this get I'm kind of leading us on a tangent here, but um, <laughs> so you're on Martha you're on Martha's show. Right. You, the cameras are rolling, and you guys are doing the the doll project. We're making the dolls. You're making the dolls, yeah. and I know she said something at one point that put your life into a bit of a little tizzy. I want to believe, and I re- I do believe this. I don't want to be cynical. I just want to believe that she was just really, really excited about like about me and about the fact that I was like really young. And she was just so she was just I think she was just really excited about the about the financial aspect of it because I you know that's that's important to her. She was sitting backstage with Rob, you know, before Rob and before me with her little calculator just going. You know, her you know her producer told us that, and so I so um, I kind of I asked her producer. I said, you know, I'd really feel more comfortable if Martha didn't you know say what she estimates because um, oh she so she was had, she was estimating before the show she had a calculator trying to figure out exactly. what she made. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> she was just really, she was, like, on a mission. And wow. And so she really got fixated on it, both with Rob and with me. And she said it on Rob's segment, I believe. She was like, oh, I was just back there with a calculator just trying to figure out, out all the financial stuff, blah, 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 blah. And, um, but she did the exact same thing with me. And Good, Because I are you still Etsy's, t- are you Etsy's top seller still? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm the top um, handmade seller. There, there are some supply sellers who have far more sales than me, but um, as far as someone who's not selling supplies, okay. I think that I'm still the number one. And you've been in that in that number one spot for how long? For a while. Well, they, they got rid of the top sellers, but I think it's just kind of like the common the common consensus seems to still be that I'm still the number one. But um, I think, I guess, for the last uh, year and a half or two years or something, for a pretty good while. Well, congratulations I mean, when on that. When went down, I was still the number one. Yeah. And, so- and that was years you know over a year ago a year and a half ago or something so what how did this go down then because i didn't get to i was wanting to refresh on this but amartha's site is down so oh, i couldn't okay. do i couldn't do my usual prep so you're making the dolls and then what did so i can't remember what she said and martha says oh and you know she won't tell us because and she said that because i said um producer please tell martha not to broadcast that on tv i think that's kind of personal and like don't you think it's a little tacky? Like, that seems foreign. That was, like, a foreign concept and, like, the idea of, like, just tackiness. And so um, I, that was totally outnumbered there, I think. But um, she she was like, oh, and she won't tell us, but, you know, you should know she has a six-figure business. And, I, you know, I, I, I half expected it, even though I had expressly said, do not say that. So Martha just went ahead and said it because, guess she was just so excited or whatever. And, um, yeah, and it took me a little aback, but I was, it was, it, we really were having a fun time, and it was really the most fun of the whole process, weirdly. Like, it seems like it would be the scariest, but it was the funnest thing, the taping, because, you know, we were, you know, going along, making the dolls, and, you know, Martha's asking me her funny little questions and being her <laughs> quirky self, and 
making weird observations about the size of the sewing pins we were using. And, you know, I mean, so I was, I was really genuinely in such a good mood that it really didn't bug me that much at the time. It was just the aftermath was a little, was a little weird about it. And I kind of knew when she said it and when I watched, especially when I watched it, when it aired, I was like, I think that that's going to cause some weirdness because just because of people, because of human nature. Yeah, well, and let's talk, I mean, let's clarify, too. I mean, is this, I mean, was that accurate? I mean, she's accurate with her calculator. Is that accurate? I mean, is this well, like a... Well, I mean, I think that she, I think that that is the number that Etsy somehow provided to her, but it in no way takes into account all my overhead and taxes and all of that. You know, I mean, so it's just... So that could be I, like was, a, a raw sales number as opposed yeah, to... Yeah, it was just kind of a raw sales number. Okay. It doesn't take into account the fact that there's two of us. It's just, it was a little absurd. So basically, to the average viewer then, they're thinking, damn, right. this it's chick thinking. knocks down a hundred grand plus, you know, off of, you know, her making dolls and paintings. Right. And, yeah, okay, not just, thinking that you're you know, paying, then, you're, you have somebody else that's working with you, you have right. your overhead. And thousands here, but the, of dollars in supplies a month, thousands of dollars, you know, I mean, it, 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 it's... I don't know. But at the same time, did you have, I mean, do you allow yourself at the same time, though, I hope you allow yourself um, a moment or two to actually just be really proud of that, what you've done. I mean, because that that is very impressive. Well, thank you. And, you know, on on the most, like, um, on the least cynical level, like, on the just most, um, I guess, like, idealistic and pure level, like, I really think that that's kind of what Martha was, I mean, I I just want to think that that's what she got all out of about. She's, I mean, she's a businesswoman, and I think right. when she sees another yeah. young woman who's been mm-hmm. able to like paint, and, and she doesn't make things like you make things. You know what I mean? Uh, yes. you know, Martha does. I mean, she's she's more of a. I think the cooking and um, she did uh, yeah. the catering business is what really launched her into this. Mm-hmm. Um, so her food has kind of been her specialty, and of course she's crafty, of course, but not in the same way that you are, and a lot yeah. of her guests are. And so she was. Pro- I mean, and I don't. I can't begin to climb into her shoes and know you know exactly what she was going right. for but um but I think did you have a point was it just kind of you said you didn't really realize until a, I mean think about it till after the fact but do you allow yourself to be feel good about what you've done though I mean as opposed oh, to totally yeah. no I really do more than just being like wow I I just really should pat myself on the back because Emily <laughs> you are really amazing <laughs> more than that I just, I'm really 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 grateful every single day and not to sound like a little bit of a greeting card, but I mean, I, you know, I, I think about how I just think I, I kind of promised myself when I got out of college and maybe this is one of the, like the driving things that made me work so hard and still makes me work so hard. I was just, I have, my mom's a single mom. My dad died when I was pretty young and um, oh, I'm sorry. No, it, it's, it's, fine. how old you know, were you? I was, um, 12 when my dad died. I was in oh. middle school. And so, and I was the oldest. So my mom had, and my mom has three younger kids. And so, my mom's a single mom, and, you know, she's not a rich lady. And so when I got out of college, I just made a vow to myself. I'll never, unless it is absolutely an emergency, I'll never ask my mom for money ever again. I supported myself mostly through college with loans and with jobs, but, you know, she would still help me out. and She, you know, would pay for part of my rent and whatever. And so when I got out of college, it's just like never again. So, I mean, that's one of the reasons that I'm just so grateful and that, you know, that I, I'm proud but mostly just really really grateful and happy and always thinking about well backup jobs I mean no matter what level of success I achieve in my mind I'm always also thinking it is a really 
it's a it kind of all dangles by a thread in a way, you know. There's nothing guaranteed about a job like this, and so I'm always still thinking, well, what else would I be happy doing if this falls through, or if you know my situation changes? And so, you know, I'm I'm happy, just really feel really lucky and grateful, and also I'm like, you know, kind of look ahead, and I'm like, I don't want to, I don't know. I I just always want to be, you know, thinking about the future yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the what ifs and all that stuff, even though it seems like t- terribly pragmatic and dull and whatever. It's just, I, I, that's another thing that I don't think a lot of people realize is if you have a job like this, no one is giving you health insurance. No one is, I mean, there's, it could all, it's beast or famine in a lot of ways as far as, you know, sales and the holidays and all that stuff. And there's also no guarantees at all that, you know, that it you'll even have, one sale tomorrow or next month or next year. So anyway, so that's something I think about also. It's simultaneously, I try to be happy, you know, and kind of live for the moment in a way, but also with my mind towards, well, you know, it could all go away. So, you know. Um. <laughs> well, so what do you do for insurance? Do you have to buy your own insurance or what do you, what I do, you just do? Have to, Yeah, I just have, um, I recently, I got health insurance this year and I was very proud of myself because I hadn't had it for the last, you know, three or four years since I was out of high school. And yeah. So I'm, I feel very, I feel very like a grown up that I now have health insurance. Yeah. And that's expensive. It is. Yeah. I found a really good plan, but it's still, you know, it's not the best plan in the world and it's still a nice chunk of change every month. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's more than, it's like kind of an in-between, it's like more than catastrophic health insurance, but less than like a really good health insurance plan. And, you know, we'll just, I'll probably get a better one as I get a little older, but like, you know, it's, it's weird. It's just like all kinds of stuff like that I have to think about that I never ever thought about a couple of years ago and now I, I think about this stuff all the time um you mean you don't get any home visits from like a human resources person to help right. you out? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like there's just nobody to explain you can't go down the hall me. and ask for help and personnel I know I had yeah. I, it's like it's a weird I just have to figure out everything for myself and I don't know I mean that, that's one of the reasons that I'm I'm so willing I'm I'm I try to always answer questions about like whenever people have specific questions about sources, where I get things, how I do things, whatever, but like, in a lot, you know, like, I kind of figured out almost everything by myself, and I'm not suggesting everyone, you know, you should have to figure out everything by yourself, blah, 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 but like, you know, I, I don't know, I think that well, it's good to be self-sufficient. Well, and I also, I kind of think, I mean, I have a friend who has a business, and she'll get emails all the time from people mm-hmm. saying, oh, where do you get all your supplies, mm-hmm. and where do you get all, and she spent so much time trying to figure mm-hmm. all that out. And yeah. I guess my personal belief on that. And it's called sourcing. I mean, yeah, well, not friend, like that. I, I mean, have a friend who gets very indignant about it because she just sees it as another facet of her business. That's like, you know, I put in a couple hours this week sourcing at, you know, X product. And, what, I mean, you know, that was work. And so I just, I don't really feel that great about just giving away the information. And well, I, you know, yeah. I kind of try to be in between about it. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, if you can't handle that part of it, like if you can't figure out where to get anything, and not saying you shouldn't network. Like, if you have friends in the business right, and you're like, look, I'm looking to get, where did you yeah, get your business cards? Fun. I want to get some. They, like, they printed right. out really great. You know, that's yeah. all great. But I think if you're constantly just asking people to do all the work for you and you can't handle, you can't figure out, like, where to get, you know, a certain kind yeah. of fabric or whatever, maybe that person should not be in business. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I, I just think it's almost hurts, like that's. kind of true. Like, it's like, it's, I always think it's a little bit of a, I'm always a little 
afraid for somebody whenever they're like, I, I really want to start, I want to have a business exactly like yours. Like, obviously, I, I don't know if I've ever gotten this exact email, but like someone sends an email and says, I want to have a shop exactly like yours. Tell me how to do everything that you have done. Tell me where <laughs> to get everything that you get, blah, 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 blah. blah. And um, it's just, I always think mm, that's a little the harbinger of not probably not so great things to come because yeah. you have to be resourceful. And, you know, I just, I, I have, I have a couple crafty friends and, you know, but I don't, I also just don't like to bug people and I'm not insinuating that if people ask questions, they're right, bugging me right. at all. Well, there's, a, like, there's just, a middle ground too. Right, I mean, exactly. And just personally, I really loathe like bugging even my friends, but especially, you know, someone who's kind of a stranger. Um, so yeah, it's just a fine line. I mean, like if people ask, kind of just need like one general piece of information or just want to know where one thing came from, whatever. I'm always like totally happy to help. But like, you know, it's when I get the super over, I'm, I kind of just want to compile a really exhaustive email that I can just send to the people who want every piece of advice that is like, here are links to all of these, you know, I, I don't know. Cause I can't possibly personally answer all of the stuff. And so I don't know, like here's links to some interviews I've given um, here, you know, Here's a link to my blog where I explain a lot of this stuff. Here's whatever. But I don't know. It's, it's just I think resourcefulness is a, is a virtue that maybe isn't the most valued these days or something. And a lot of times I just figure somebody maybe just has fallen totally new into the whole Internet crafty world. And I well, don't it's an exciting yeah, place I mean, when just, you first discover it, too. It's very yeah, exciting. Yeah, right. I just think ask questions when you need to be resourceful. I think that's totally the best. And, you know, if you find things out for yourself, then I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. It, it's it's kind of crummy work. Sometimes it's thankless work sourcing stuff and kind of just trying to feel your way through. But, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I think you're at a, a big advantage kind of having that that streak to you or but as far as things like insurance and IRAs and things like that that <laughs> is not fun <laughs> that is no fun to try to sleuth out by yourself right that's not as I, fun as finding some great fabric yeah so when Martha revealed this information for you um what happened next the show aired and then people were responding to your supposed off the charts wealth <laughs> how did how did that go I mean well there I mean things were you know it didn't really come up that much except for with you know, people who, if, if people watch the show or my family or Josiah's family, whoever, when people watch the show and it aired, I got a whole lot of comments that were like, whoa, that was a little weird when she, you know, went ahead and just disclosed that. Um, but it really, I guess, I think that it kind of sat in some people's minds in a weird way um, that didn't, like, make itself immediately apparent. And it all kind of, um, it kind of made, it kind of flared up again uh, sometime last you know a couple weeks ago now um, was this on with the, about, on your blog when um because you you gave martha the rights to put a dial pattern on your website right yeah i website. made up i i did it all so it all happened so quickly but yeah i drafted a pattern especially for the show i drafted a pattern for my doll and i you know made a really cute little tutorial and so all that stuff yeah i was like it's gonna go up on the website it'll be up when the show airs and people will be able to download it and, you know, download the, t the tutorial and the template. And so I was getting all these really great, cool emails from people who were like, oh, I'm having a doll-making party or, oh, I made doll. It was really lucky. It was, you know, it came out um, about a week or two before Easter. So I also got a lot of emails that were like, oh, I made a doll for my girl's Easter basket or my niece's Easter basket. And, you know, I so that just made me insanely happy. But then I, I got a couple emails that were kind of, 
um, not people directly saying, I am going to make the dolls to sell, but people who, there was just, there was some concerns from people who had been encouraged. Like there was, um, I got one email from someone who had been kind of encouraged by their family to sell the dolls and just, you know, just the issue kind of came up. And so I was this I person asking say, you for permission or what was going on with that well, situation? Well, I don't know. It was kind of like, you know, it just came up like two or, it came up like two or three times within one 24 hour period. And I was kind of just like, well, preemptively, I'm just going to go ahead and say something because I realized I hadn't, and Martha, the Martha people hadn't made any kind of provision for that on the website or on the show. So I was just like, well, this might seem like common sense to some people, but, you know, just in case it doesn't, I'm just going to preemptively just make a friendly post, just say, you know, just everybody keep in mind um, that the dolls are for, pers- you know, the doll pattern is for personal use and not um, for commercial use, and please don't make them to sell, you know, make them to give away as gifts, make them for yourself, but um, just please don't make them and start an Etsy shop selling my dolls. And so and I just kind of made the post and walked away and didn't think that there would be any kind of controversy about that because that's a very commonplace request with patterns, right. even patterns you buy at the store, even, you know, Amy Butler patterns or you know, with Hillary from We Wonderfuls, uh, most patterns, or a lot of patterns anyway, from independent designers have that disclaimer on them. And so I just thought it was such a common request, it would, wouldn't really ruffle any feathers. And so much to my chagrin, I come back to my computer hours later and find that a little mini firestorm of controversy, I really love that phrase, um, but <laughs> a little firestorm of controversy had erupted on my on my blog. And um it was just, it really kind of took me aback. I was not expecting it at all. Some of the emails were really just outlandishly hurtful. Some of them were, you know, considerate in a way, but I think that a lot of um, a lot of them and a lot of the emails I received just displayed a real lack of understanding about, co- about the nature of copyright and about other people's ideas and how precious they are and, you know, that we all need to respect them. And I don't know, it was just, it was a really jarring couple of days and I was, very, very, like, personally upset and was really distracted from my work. After it all blew over a little, I was able to, you know, I just composed a post kind of saying everything I wanted to say. And um, to go back to the the Martha money thing, it came up in one particular commenter's really vitriolic comment about the nature of the DIY community and um, how I was trying to somehow, like, destroy the DIY community. I did read and that, and I thought that was quite a stretch. It was, but, yeah, it yeah. was um, really, it was, I don't, I don't understand really where, where that email came from, and I don't really know that I want to understand, but also in that commenter's post, it said um, that since, didn't Martha say I make X amount of money, shouldn't someone else be able to make a buck in the meantime, I believe was yeah, what Yeah, yeah. So, what so that number kind of, that kind of came back flying in your face. Exactly. But it so almost it was like it was that number had been just like swimming around apparently in that person's brain and like made them think I was somehow, um, had somehow, like if you make, I don't know, it was so well, bizarre to think about the idea of if you make a certain amount of money, you somehow um, forfeit the right to have right, your copyright. Forfeit your rights. I was, I was horrified. I was, I just was like, um, what about, there are really successful designers, Todd Oldham, Lada Jamsada, you know, there's like these people, Orla Kiley, there are all these like huge names in design, like to me anyway, and those people obviously can support themselves just fine, and none of those people have forfeited their rights to, you know, Amy Butler, and I was just thinking about this person and how 
the commenter must be representative of hundreds or maybe thousands of people that have maybe the same feeling or had the same kind of misunderstanding. And it was just so upsetting just because, you know, even though I got so many incredibly kind, supportive comments, there were so, there were so many that just had that kind of just seemed to be confused and it, it just made me really afraid, not just for myself, then because I, it was just a purely preemptive tactic. I mean, there, there have been plenty of things on Etsy that I've seen that I feel, you know, um, maybe somebody, it's pretty clear that someone's been looking at my work and I just kind of hope if it's not too blatant and if it's not, I don't feel threatened by it. I usually just hope, um, you know, that person will probably find their footing, they'll find their own thing or, you know, they'll move on to something else, whatever. I just wanted to make a preemptive statement and the fact that so many people didn't seem to really understand that that was a really common thing made me just really afraid for kind of everyone, not really just for me, but just for all the all the craft bloggers I know who really put their work out there constantly and offer it up, offer up free patterns, offer up downloads, offer, you know, offer patterns for sale, and constantly throw their ideas up there and um, are kind of trusting that people will use them for good, not for evil. I mean, they <laughs> I don't know. It just—it's such a—it just is really close to my heart, and I'm also the daughter of a lawyer, and so the injustice of the idea really just inflamed my sense of propriety and my sense of justice, and you know whatever. So it was just—it was—it was a bad. It was a bad, bad day. <laughs> the copyright.gov website is really clear and really exhaustive, but like if you just read through the you know couple pages that are pertinent to whatever you're interested in, like. It's just very thorough and really clear and not there's it doesn't really leave very much it it's kind of you know there's always going to be sticky areas but it's just like you know it's pretty cut and dried in a lot of ways and so I just you know read through the website a whole lot consulted my mom um you know so I yeah so I I, I it was just a really it was a bad time and because of that whole hullabaloo and how distracting it was and how you know hurtful it was to me personally that's when I kind of decided that I was going to start um if if something like whatever is to happen again I'm I decided to start you know having a comment moderation policy on my blog and which I'd resisted for a really long time but yeah so I just decided that you know if something like that ever rears its head again it'll probably those comments will just be um will just be deleted and, you know, either dealt with personally or not at all. And I just, I can't sacrifice my own, like, sanity for for people to have a sounding board or for people to come to my blog to, like, kick the dog or whatever, you know? Right. I mean, I mean if, if they feel that strongly, they can post on their own blog exactly. about how you should be able to rip off people's patterns. And, right. You yes, know. exactly. I mean, <laughs> I, mean that, I mean, that's, yeah. And, I, I mean, I can't, I don't blame you because I think that it's obviously a very personal thing. You know, and yeah. it's your pattern. That's a very generous thing. I mean, did you have any hesitation? I always ask people that, you know, it was her hesitation to put a project out there, you know, for free. And it's on, yeah. I mean, it's on Martha, so everybody's going to see it, you right. know. Well, a little bit. And that was, you know, and um, something kind of funny about just the whole Martha, the whole thing is that um, I don't really make those dolls for my, like, bread and butter. They're a variation on the pattern on the little dunce dolls that I made for years and I kind of stopped making because there were some pretty strong imitations that were floating around and I just kind of, I just kind of gotten tired of it anyway. And so I was just like, you know, I'll make this new doll pattern kind of variation on the dunces. It's not something that I'm like real, you know, it's not like my cornerstone or something. It's just these sweet little dolls and I don't mind sharing them. And, you know, I, and so, you know, I thought worst case scenario, even, 
regardless of what happens, no matter how inconsiderate people were with the pattern, it you know it's not gonna destroy. It's not. It wouldn't destroy my life or my business. Because well, the bulk you know, of what you do is really painting. Right. Yeah. So, because yeah. you know most of what I do is you know the paintings and then you know my paper goods and whatever. And you know the dolls are really just like a fun thing that I you know just try to make a handful of them every you know every couple weeks and. You know, and they stay fun for me that way, and I have, like, no interest in being, like, a doll factory because, you know, sewing, I, I don't know if everyone feels this way, but, and maybe I'm just in a, I have a bad setup, but sewing is very, like, it's kind of physically taxing for me. Like, my, if I sew for four, five, six hours straight, my back hurts really badly, and so, like, I um, I just don't want to do it constantly, and so, you know, I a lot of what the sewing I do is just personal. I don't want to make more than you know, five to ten dollars a month because that's that's what like that's still at like the fun level and not at the like, oh my gosh, I'm just wanna like, you know, <laughs> rip these dolls' heads off because they're just taunting me with, you know, making my back hurt and just, you know, running my life. But um Yeah, so people might have got the wrong impression on the show that, that you're exactly. a big doll maker. And that's like, what I was afraid of because um, you know, going into it I kind of just anticipated that, that was there was gonna be a gross misunderstanding. Um not not by any fault of not by anyone's fault particularly, just because, you know, we decided on the doll project because, you know, they really wanted to have me on the show and so we um just went ahead with that and I kind of, I kind of, I actually had sent some framed up prints of my work just so to have in the background so that um, it could be a little, a little more balanced about the actual, like the, the real way that my shop is. But, you know, I just think that there was an impression. I mean, I think there was an impression on Martha's part, at, at, which I think was obvious in the taping, that um, she didn't realize really what my shop sells the most of and what it's kind of really like. And, I, I think a lot of people also kind of got a mistaken impression, and you know, but it, it'll all it'll all sort itself out, and you know, I just I I can't. I mean, I got some emails that were insinuating that you know a factory in China would start mass producing my dolls, and I needed to just deal with it. You know, if I couldn't keep up with demand and all of it, it was just really scary. Just all of this really weird scary stuff and I'm just like oh my gosh I mean these little I had no idea these little dolls would cause such a would cause me so much grief in a way but are you still glad you went on the show overall yeah I'm glad you know I it was weird it's kind of one of these things where simultaneously like as you're agreeing to do it and as you're signing yourself on for I found out about it on Wednesday and we were flying out um on a Tuesday morning oh wow and so yeah and it wasn't even firmed up until like Thursday or Friday, so it was. I did an a massive amount of work over about three days, and um, it was it was kind of just as I was doing it, I kind of like had a premonition of all the kind of crummy things that could come of it. But I was just, you know, it was it was a good opportunity. I would have felt like a fool if I hadn't taken it, and you know, I kind of just took it all in stride and tried to have fun, you know, during the actual taping and. I don't know. And, you know, now a whole lot of people know about my work that wouldn't have otherwise. And it didn't revolutionize my, like, my business or change the way that I do things very much. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I did it. And it was, it was really difficult in a lot of ways. And anybody who is, you know, who is approached about doing it or who's considering doing it, like, you know, they should expect that it's going to be a whole lot of work and really kind of hard and grueling in a way. But then there's, you know, it'll there'll be some really fun stuff and 
ultimately, it's just really great exposure for your shop. And you know, do they fly you out there for free, or do you have to pay for it? They don't pay for airfare or for any kind of accommodation. It's kind of just you kind of just get yourself there, get yourself. You know, you kind of just do it all yourself, and then it all for the privilege, I guess, of being of being on the show. And a lot of people were really surprised by that. But I was like, well, I'm still gonna do it. I mean, that's kind of crummy, but you know. Still gonna come. So, did you notice a spike in business after it? Um, the day that it aired, we had a really. The day that it aired was really, really big, and the the day or two after that were they were really big. But it's just so. I mean, the holidays were are still so fresh on our minds that we're just like, you know. I mean, that we had some days that were just as busy in November. You know, it, it was it was definitely busy, but kind of the implication from like the Martha people was. Oh, this you're never you're not ever gonna be prepared for something like this. It's gonna get you know you're just gonna have so much business. And I kind of knew like I'm sure we'll do fine, but I'm sure it's not gonna just be like the the end of the world. And um, it was yeah. So I mean, it was we had a we had a pretty significant spike the day of and maybe the day after it aired. And then my next update was really really everything went everything always goes really fast but everything went insanely fast that day and I had so much stuff and I was just I don't know and I don't know but I got a whole lot of sad emails from people who had just found out about me from the show who had no idea how competitive the updates can be and they were just like I was not prepared for that everything was gone in two minutes and wow two minutes really Wow. Yeah, I, it's hard for me to even get onto my website sometimes. Like, at the last, you know, I try to update at exactly, you know, exactly 2 p.m. or exactly when I have it, and sometimes it's hard for me to get back on to, like, put everything in their proper categories. And usually, I mean, this last time, all of the paintings and all the paintings sold within a minute or two, and all of the dolls were gone in about three minutes, oh I think. Oh, my goodness. And it was it's just so crazy. I mean, it's really great. You know, I'm so flattered and it's always a little thrilling, but it's also almost scary. It's a little terrifying. Wow. Yeah, (laughs) that is really fast. I did want to talk about your paintings. Well, I love your style of painting. I kind of look at the pictures of you I see on your website and then I look at some of these characters in in your paintings and I'm thinking, hmm, she seems to be there. Is that you in some of these? Well, a lot of it is so, I think that that's kind of like, I, that question seems to always come up, or it comes up like so frequently. It used to especially make me a little bashful because you know it's like it's it's weird to acknowledge, I guess, and it seems a little self-centered or something. But it's not it's not at all some kind of like egomania, really. It's like it's just like kind of the default mode, I guess. It's like this is what someone's face, like this is what a girl's face looks like, and then I I guess my default is just like a lot of my own features like you know I don't have very big eyes obviously I have actually pretty little eyes but you know I just like oh here's a little round face and here's a little tiny nose and some kind of heart-shaped lips and you know it it just it does kind of end up um and also I I think of myself and I these are kind of my favorite kind of artists or musicians or people who are kind of just part and parcel like they're kind of just everything is kind of one seamless like, my clothes and my kind of aesthetic and the way that I have my home and the way that my work is, it's kind of just all of one piece. And it's so I, I think that that's another reason that the doll or that the um, the girls in the paintings are, like, you know, kind of a lot of them are Emily-esque or 
the little Emily's because it's all, you know, it's all kind of part of the same thing. And I'm just a really, really big fan of cultivating your own whole universe and your own whole little world and, you know, making it, just making it exactly the way that you want it to be because there isn't that much we have control over in life. And so, you know, the, um, the, but the artists that I really like, you know, like someone like Tom Waits, the people who create almost like a mythology around themselves and their work is like has so much to do with the way that they look and the way that they act and speak and just everything. You know, I'm obviously not not like Tom Waits, but you know what I mean about um, it kind of being a whole, just part of a whole. And so the paintings, I think, feel like me because it's all you know, all comes from the same place. Then. Yeah. Well, I mean, even like the little paper dolls. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Look like That's you. Kind of like, that was kind of like my wardrobe at the time. I'm like, you know, plotting out their little clothes. Yeah, because and... I mean, the, the, even the hairstyle and everything is really, yeah. you know, kind of like your hair. Of course, I can't see you right now, but according to the yeah, photos, you know. Yeah, like kind of a little, like a longer bob. It's, it's gotten yeah. a little bit longer, but yeah, I always have some kind of, a, my hair just kind of naturally like flips at the end. So I usually have some kind of, um, you know, Mary Tyler Moore slash that girl, like kind of that. That's, <laughs> that's like just my hair's default. Like I really can't rage against it because it's like that is what it will do. It's just... And in the same way, your paintings are what they are. I mean, this is what you know. Yeah. You said kind of your default. But you know what? I love I love the fact that I can pretty much like if I see a flash of a painting, it's like oh, that's Emily. I mean, I can tell, and I love it. I feel. That's I guess so I just it makes me feel say. smart. It makes me feel smart, too, because oh. I'm like, oh, I'm recognizing. But no, but I think it's great for you as an artist to have that that style so developed and just, you know, so people can recognize your work without, really you know. I really hope so. Like, that is so, I mean, that is one of, like, the best things you could possibly say to me because, I mean, or, I mean for any artist to hear, but, I mean, it's, that just is so nice to hear and really, I mean, I don't know, because it's hard. And, you know, a lot of the copyright stuff, a lot of that whole issue arises from just it is hard to carve out your own niche and just kind of figure out what your aesthetic is and what you like and what your sensibility is. And, like, if I've been, like, you know, if I am a success at, like, creating kind of a constant look and kind of just a continuous feeling and, you know, sensibility about just the way that my work looks, like, that's just... I, that's all that I want, really, you know, and um, because it, it's, like, all about just making things that I would really love. I mean, that's, like, that is my main advice to people besides working really hard is just making making things that you personally, like, would just, that you love and, like, you love how that they look and, that you know, if it's something that you need and you're like, oh, I need this in my own life, then probably some other people need it, too, and if you make something that you really love and this is just so beautiful to you, then chances are there are other people who will also find it beautiful and will want it, you know, want it around also. And so, yeah, it's just that, I don't know, it just makes me really happy that you can, you can pick out my work in a crowd and I don't know, because there are, you know, there are a lot of people who make art with little, little girls and little creatures. And, you know, I kind of think that we kind of, um, people who make work that is in that vein, maybe aren't taken so seriously and you know partially that's fine with me but partially it gets me down a little bit and I don't know it just makes me happy that even if there are a whole lot of people making similar work especially on Etsy but just and the internet in general you know hearing that my work is distinctive is like it's just it's wonderful to hear yeah well I I think it's wonderful and you know what I hope you do someday 
I what? really hope you could come out with like a book or like some collection of your work because one of the things I'm look I'm scrolling through here and I see that you have like 125 prints, okay, which is like. <laughs> A lot of prints, even yeah. for like what three years you've been doing this. Yeah, that's, that's a lot not of prints. Even all of them. Yeah, that's, totally been ones that have been discontinued. That, I mean, that's a lot of prints, and I think it's hard to decide. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure yeah, there are no, people that are kind of like, oh wow, I really like that one, and oh, oh I like that one, and you know, my daughter's really into tea parties. So I'm like, oh, I like the tea party one with this yeah, like, little porcupine, I know. like all this stuff, I, and it's like, and I think that um, I think there would be a market for, um, of course, any. I mean, you're a top seller, so I think you know that there's a market for your work, but I think that would be another way of. Um, giving people, like, taking away the fact that we have to choose. <laughs> yeah, no, you know? I really, um, that's something that I would re- that I would really love to do. And I've been thinking lately a lot about, like, what, what you can do with self-publishing. And, you know, even if I don't, even if I don't have a publisher to do a little catalog or monograph or whatever, you know, just like a little book of my work, um, just of the images, I, you know, I think that um, I'm going to try to figure out how I could go about that. You know, that's just, that's, that's on my mind also. And so and I'm really happy that, you know, I'm happy to hear you say that because it's something that's kind of in the back of my mind and it's something that I kind of want to, you know, um, keep my ears open about and kind of, you know, be thinking about over the next year or so. Um, in addition to, like, whatever, what other book projects I have, I've been thinking about, like, books that I can, you know, make myself and kind of be the boss of and have control over mm-hmm. completely. And well, clearly you're, you're, you've been very successful as, as you're, <laughs> as being, you know, running your own show. And so it wouldn't be like, you just have this dream and you've made like three paintings. Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, obviously you have the material and, you know, so the, okay. it's really the, the sky's the limit about what's open to you now. I mean, you know, especially since you're making what, like two million, didn't you say? Yeah, no, just yeah making, two million I a year. Spend, you know, and, um, you know, when you asked about how I break <laughs> down my time, I spend probably fifty percent of you know sixty hour week just jumping in my money. Yeah, just like kind baby. of rolling in it and stuff, yeah, and like it's more like I making have, like, like little cranes I, out of it, paper cranes. Right. And, I just don't yeah. use. We have a coat closet, and that's where I keep the piles of money. And so <laughs> I just like kind of rake them out, and then I jump in it for hours every day, and. And I have to shovel it all back in. Um, well, you know, I was you know, thinking about taking my kids to Disney World someday, but I think instead, <laughs> would you mind if I came down to Georgia and I just kind of, we could come and just go to the yeah, money pit, like at your house? I would love to have you over for a money party. Yeah, we could just, like, maybe I mean, we could even burn some to see if it's cool. <laughs> yeah, we no, can just kind of have a little bonfire. Yeah. That'd yeah, be, maybe um, we'll even throw some extra prints in because you don't need them because you just, you know, it, no, it doesn't matter that to would you. Be wonderful. <laughs> um, I, would, I would so love that. Yeah. I, um, you are very, very funny. No, but that's, yeah, I think um, that, I mean, it's, it's exciting for me to see you at age 25 it's with, you found this, you know, kind of found your way so much yeah. earlier than a lot of people do. When I was your age, and I sound like an ancient woman now, I'm six <laughs> years older, but I'm serious, like in my mid-20s, I mean, because I went out and I've always been one of those people that I think I'm wired to work independently. Mm-hmm. Because I work so hard for myself. And yeah. not saying yeah. I don't work hard for other people, but it's a different right. kind of thing. Because when I don't have total control of a project, um, you kind of – because you, you get disappointed if it doesn't absolutely. turn out the way you want it to. Um, no, I'm so, absolutely the same way. So, yeah, I mean, I just – I think it's wonderful that you have this great artistic talent and you've just kind of taken – it's taken off. Did you do anything special to market? Because I know the folks at home are probably like – Jennifer, ask her what she did to get this going. <laughs> like, did you do anything besides open an Etsy shop and start posting things? I mean, what has driven, because, I mean, I'm looking back at, I mean, you have, like, it's hilarious, like, the feedback is, like, 7,000, and they're 100% positive, you know? Um, yes. <laughs> but, I mean, there have been people that have been, you know, they might have, like, you know, 10 things they've sold. And, obviously, part of it is and what you have that doesn't come naturally to everyone. 
um, as much as we might want want it for ourselves is like the natural artistic ability. You have that. That's obviously something that you can't give someone a recipe for that because I think there's yeah. part of it. Either you have it or you don't at, yeah. at a core level. However, um, if there's people out there, they have artistic talent and they're opening their Etsy shop or they're trying to get a foothold, what did you do to get your work noticed? Um, well, this is always the, like, the question with the disappointing answer. <laughs> <laughs> this is the part that's disappointing. No, it, I just can't. I, I always feel badly because I can't get, like, a really satisfying answer because I, I found out about Etsy and, you know, I, had, I already had the Black Apple and I was selling things locally, but... I found out about Etsy, and Etsy was so little then. I was like the 900-something person that signed up, and now there's hundreds of thousands of people on there. Um, but I um, I just started posting my work, really, and it kind of just organically, you know, the network of blogs, kind of the Internet crafty community was really supportive of my work, you know, and still is, but, like, it really, I mean, that Etsy being little, there were a whole lot of just really fortuitous small things that kind of, like, all together made for, you know, kind of helped me get started. And um, I've never, I've never purchased advertising anywhere. I don't really, you know, spend a lot of time soliciting adver advertisements or, you know, soliciting people to, you know, talk up my work. It's a whole different thing now because Etsy is so much bigger. But um, it, in the beginning, it was really just, I worked really, really hard, um, being really consistent, like at not even as far as quality I mean that's a given but like just kind of cultivating like a consistent like look and feeling and like you could be so that people could be you know two and a half years later say what you said and be like well I used to see your work and I kind of know that it's yours like that was just so important to me and so I just worked really 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 hard at doing that I worked really hard at making my shop you know on my pittance of money the best that it could possibly be you know with with my meager income and you know just I worked I had no training in any kind of graphic design but I just worked really hard to make things look as good as I could at the time and I don't know and that I think that that I kind of was just buoyed along by um by a lot of support from other more established crafters and by Etsy in general and it was just a combination of all of those things and that's why I feel kind of crummy because it's such a that's such an unsatisfying and unuseful answer. But well, I don't, like, I don't but I can't, think so I, it's, entirely. It's the truth. I can't, you know, like, yeah. I can't make an alternative history. Like, well, the thing about it, though, is I think, you know, you can spend a lot of money on marketing and advertising mm -hmm. and do a lot of stuff like that. But the reality is if you're not putting – you got to put most of your effort into what you're producing, what the product yeah. is. Because yeah. after the media blitz is over <laughs> – you know, seriously, I mean, after – I mean, if there's nothing left – after that, you know, people are going to, you know, they're not going to keep coming back to your blog. They're not going to keep yeah. buying your stuff, you know. So it sounds like if I'm going to step in and help interpret for people <laughs> what you just said, it's just do your thing, you know. Exactly. Figure yeah. out what that is and do it. It's so simple and so I get so, so many emails that kind of from people who kind of seem to be under the impression that there's like a secret that mm -hmm. I know about or that there's some kind of like secret thing that's like a thing that I did and I always feel like oh you're going to be so disappointed because there just isn't a thing there wasn't one thing and um, someone actually on the Etsy forums referred to me and said I must have a horseshoe up my butt it was a really lovely thing to say about me, but I just happened to read that, and I thought it was, like, so hilarious, but <laughs> and so far from the truth. Um, <laughs> well, I think you'd know, because that would be quite painful. I know, I know. I'm kind of unaware of that, but, you know, who really knows? Um, 
but you know, it was so, it was just really funny, but you know, when it comes down to it, I know that that's the way it seems to some people because, you know, I, I didn't have, I didn't pay for very much marketing or advert. I didn't pay for any advertising or marketing. It was so much word of mouth. I was in the right place at the right time. You know, it's just like all these things, all the stars kind of aligned in a way, plus work really hard, plus make things that people happen to like. And like, I don't know. And so it, it, I feel, I feel like a bad advice giver, but you know, it, it's kind of just a combination of all those things. But, yeah, just do your thing and be true to yourself. And, um, you know, while keeping in mind that you should, you know, make a good product, like make hold yourself to a high standard, you know, hold yourself to the standard of people whose work that you like and, you know, not necessarily imitate them but kind of, you know, emulate professionals and think of yourself as a professional instead of just thinking, I'm a small fry, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a nothing and, blah, 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 and I'm just getting started out, like, think yeah, I'm just getting started out, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna hold myself to a professional standard kind of immediately, like, I think that's a really helpful thing to keep in mind, is, like, you know, just, you're, you're good, and, you know, it, just hold yourself to a high standard of consistently being good, and, you know, um, I, I think that that's the best thing you can do, and that goes hand in hand with working hard, and, you know, do anything and blah 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 um but yeah I, I i i just have to believe that with all the advice that there is in the world i have to believe that like if you are doing something that you really love and you know you are making a good product and you work really really hard like i just have to believe in a world in which you will get noticed and because you know it happens all the time and it's a crime some of the people that get kind of overlooked but I, I don't know. I just have to believe that the good stuff will rise to the surface somehow. Mm-hmm. I believe that's true. Yeah. I really do. And I also believe that you have an old spirit. Has anyone ever told you that? You sound oh, so much older so, than 25. <laughs> you know what so I mean? Sweet. I mean, because it's very I, wise. Yeah, like, it's great. I, I mean, this is great advice, and it's very wise. And I think that I think that's wonderful. A lot of times people, you know, they're just starting out. And as you said, people doubt themselves. And they're like, oh, you know, they make a lot of excuses for themselves. Like, oh, this is why. And, and almost put their own roadblocks up to their own right, success. Yeah, and totally. I think I think in yeah. my 20s, I did that a whole lot. And I think yeah. that it's really great to hear you just have it all together. I mean, you really, Thank as far as your so business much. goes, it seems like you really are centered here and maybe you're working well, a lot so but kind and I'm just so like I feel like I'm so, I mean I when I think of myself I think of myself as being this totally crazy scattered person with like no common sense and all of this but then it really hasn't panned out that you know that's like my idea of myself or my concept of myself but I, I don't know I mean it really kind of hasn't I, well, I think I, sometimes we just don't give ourselves enough credit because I think yeah. when I talk about myself, I'm like, oh, I'm surrounded by clutter and it's like so right, disorganized. Right. But the reality is, I mean, I have to have it together a little bit to pull yeah. together all the stuff I do. And I mean, and I think, but but who's going to sit here and say, yeah, I'm I'm great, you know? I mean, we're not, <laughs> you know, I mean, because that doesn't sound like something people want to hear. So when you say, yeah. oh, yeah, you know, I'm kind of scattered and crazy and, you right. know, yeah, people, like, because people seem like they respond more positively to that than hearing that, oh, this, this woman in her 20s is making a, a nice living off of this handmade business you know right people are like wow geez You're right. you know they, no, i mean people kind of get indignant about that because we all have our dreams and it i think what i think is going to be the first step for a lot of people is instead of getting kind of upset and indignant that someone else is successful i'm um, just kind of think wow kind of applaud the person and think geez i mean that gives me hope as far as what you do with your time and kind of the way that you run your life, I mean, that is the only thing you really have control over. And mm-hmm. so, like, I kind of live by the the notion of, like, just 
taking that for all it's worth. And, you know, just, I, you, you're the only person who, I, I sound like Tony Robbins. Like, this is, it's ridiculous. But Do you have you his know, tapes? I sound like a life coach, but seriously, it's like, that's the only thing we have control over in this world. So, like, just run your life the way that you want to. And, you know, not every, you know, not everybody can do, like, exactly what they want to do. But, like, you know, you've got to kind of, like, work around, like, work around the bad stuff, figure out, you know, like, play up the good stuff. Right. Yeah, and I've been an old person. Like, I was, like, an old person when I was, like, a child. And the wonderful thing about the Internet is that it has allowed all of the old souls and all of the people to kind of connect and, like, know each other and not feel alone and not feel like, oh, you know, because I go out into the regular world and I'm like, this is what regular people are about or this is what the world values. And then, you know, like, there's this great community of like-minded people and you know, not to get too kumbaya about it, but, you know, like, people who are, it's a whole lot of old souls who have an appreciation for old things and, like, you know, things that take time and things that, you know, are really personal and whatever, all these things that maybe are kind of mass society doesn't value so much, and so all of us can kind of band together and, like, let each other know, like, you know, there are other old souls out here, you know, we're all... I don't know. There's there's more than just you. You don't have to be isolated and feel like a weirdo because, you know, you really love to crochet. I wanted to mention one other thing. You have another blog that you run that's about clothing, like fashion, yeah. Yeah. So your fashion blog, tell people what that's called. Well, it's called Some Girls Wander, um, which is from the Sisters of Mercy song that I don't even though I just really love the ways that the, I really love that's embarrassing I guess isn't it but it's just a really beautiful title of the song Some Girls Wander by Mistake and so the name of my fashion blog is Some Girls Wander by Mistake and um <laughs> yeah and so it's just I don't I it, it gets so neglected sometimes and then I'll get like really you know because clothes are just one of my passions not to sound cheesy but it's just one of my something that I just love um and I kind of can't control myself when it comes to clothes but I, so, yeah, it's my little fashion blog, and I post some, you know, wardrobe remix kind of style photographs of, like, my daily outfits. Sometimes sometimes I just post shoes that I like, clothes that I find, like, things I find online. If I find, like, a really great clothes maker on Etsy or if I find a really cool Internet store I wasn't aware of or whatever. So, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, a little – I just share random stuff about clothes and I don't know. I really love it, and I get, I'm, like, really on a on the ball right now for it right now. And then I'll just, like, let it go for a week or two or, you know, a month, and I feel very bad. But I do love it, and I am, I don't have any kind of plans to, to you know, close up, close close it up anytime. Soon. Well, I think it's delightful, and I think and I think it's cool that you like knee socks so much because I oh, like knee yeah, socks, too. Oh, yeah, it's like too. my everyday thing. It's yeah. Like, I guess it's like a... I don't know, once you develop a kind of trademark thing, I guess, like that, it's like so comforting. Like I just, I, I wouldn't dream of not, you know, not having knee socks on almost every single day. And the shoes you picked out are very comfortable too. I, but I'm kind of, um, since I started running, um, I pretty seriously about a year ago, I now wear my running shoes just about everywhere I go. So I ruined, I ruined my outfits by doing that. I haven't slipped into that. We started running about a year ago too. And I have, I recently bought really, really cute running shoes, but still they're not, they haven't, they still like live on the shelf next to like my running stuff. Yeah. I just They are not allowed to bleed over into the real clothes. I wish I could have the same kind of boundaries, but for me, it's like, I put them on almost like a reminder, like you should run today, Jennifer kind of thing. Because I I find that, but your your shoe choices though for the everyday wear are nice, sensible. There's no heels; they're like flats, which I like. 
And because I think if you're going to run and you have to, if you're wearing high heels, that doesn't go very well because your feet no, hurt. It's, and... I, yeah, I really, really, as much as I, like, there, there's this perfect kind of heel that I really love, and those are the kind of heels I always wear. And it's about two or two and a half inches and a chunky heel. And, like, it's really almost as comfortable as flat for, to me. And, you know, Remix makes some, some amazing heels that are, like, that exact description. And they're, like, they're, they're just the best shoes. But... Um, but yeah, I, those are, that's my, that's like my heel design. It's like that. It's like, I just know it when I see it, never any stilettos, never anything with a skinny heel. Just always that nice, like sensible kind of like, I don't know, 1940s librarian, like, you know, mm-hmm. it's something you could like really do, do your job in, yeah. and, you know, while looking elegant also. Yeah. Well, I've had a lot of fun, and I really appreciate this time that you've spent. It's been really great. Thank you so much. Okay, bye. Thank you, Emily, for that lovely chat and for sharing just insight into your crafty life and talking so candidly about what it takes to do what you do. I think that was really enlightening and um, hopefully inspiring to the folks at home. Thank you for sharing your story. Okay, so now go head over to craftsanity.com to download Emily's book plate PDF and leave a comment in the show notes there below the the little blog entry about this episode if you wish. And I just want to say thank you for hanging out for another extended episode of the Craft Sanity podcast. I'm not going to do an after show today because I just don't want to push my luck. So check out my blog if you want to hear about my latest craft adventures. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor of an upcoming episode, Check out the sponsor link on the Craft Sandy website for more information. I do want to tell you, I'm taping a lot of great new shows that I'm really excited about bringing to you in the coming weeks, so stay tuned. In the meantime, Craft Sanity, my friends, it works for me. Thanks for listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast with Jennifer Ackerman Haywood. Visit CraftSanity.com for more information about today's guests and links to subscribing to the podcast. Want to support the show? Follow the link to vote for Craft Sanity on Podcast Alley once a month. You can also make a donation or buy goods at the Craft Sanity store. Have a suggestion for a future guest or have other feedback? Email jennifer at craftsanity.com. Thanks again for listening to Craft Sanity.